We bow before you. We lift you high. We praise your name. It's in your precious name we do pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. I could keep singing. I'd love that we get to sing. And I'm sorry that I can't hear your voices today, but oh. I'm going to talk today about something super important for your life. I don't know if you really realize how important it is. It's related to what day this is, which is Pentecost, which is when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, as we read in Acts earlier, on to Christians, on to people who knew Jesus after the cross. Whenever you say that, it's like, oh, you know, I, I speak in tongues or I do supernatural things or something goes through me and you start thinking in those ways. But what I want to talk to you today is about something actually deeper that the Holy Spirit is doing right now. And I wonder if you know it. I wonder if you see how important it is. It's, it's so amazing. So if you think with me, you think about this little group of believers there. And Jesus had ascended into heaven and he was gone. So the cross has happened. The resurrection has happened. Jesus is gone. And they're sitting there praying and they're going, what's next? What's next for my life? A little scraggly group. And it's at that moment that the Holy Spirit comes down. The first time, you know, like the floodgates happening, just as the Spirit goes through the whole church now. The Holy Spirit Simply amazing. And if you heard, they're speaking the mighty works of God. You and I, you know, we need this spirit. It's, it's maybe the biggest single under, misunderstanding we have is a misunderstanding of the spirit. What is he doing right now? Even as we gather, because I, I don't mean that I'm hoping that we get little flames over our heads. Or even that we speak in other languages. Do you know the Holy Spirit's at work in a deeper way in you and me? right now it's actually super important and so open your bibles with me if you have them or we'll put it on the screen you'll see it in the lower corner ephesians chapter one we've started this amazing letter that paul writes to the ephesians and if you remember last week he got super excited he just started going he wrote one sentence all the way from verse three through verse 14 where he just gets going about how blessed god is because look what he's done for us and, and he talked about, right, he talked about how God chose us before the foundation of the world to be his family, to be holy and blameless. So he had this plan that Jesus would come and redeem us with his blood and do these incredible things and then even sealing us with his spirit. And it's really, if you read it, it's like, it's like you just get so excited. He just starts going and going and going and he just can't stop. In English, we call it a run-on sentence because he's that excited. And we felt it. We see, wow, it's so amazing what God's done for us. And then it's almost like Paul takes a breath. <gasps> and then he starts going again. And all the way from verse 15 to the end of the chapter is another one sentence. If you go through the whole Bible and you say, let's find Paul's longest sentences. Ephesians chapter 1 has two of them because he's so excited. But as he's now established for you, like last week, go listen, that you're blessed in God the Father. Look what he's done for you. Now he turns to you who know that, to you and me, and he says something very interesting. He prays for you and me. To the people that have this news and have this truth that they're adopted into the very family of God by the blood of Jesus, he has a prayer for them. 
So this is my prayer for you today, that you would know the Spirit. That you'd receive the Spirit's news that speaks to you every day, especially in the Word today, and that you might experience it. Not just know it somehow head-wise. You might know it heart-wise. Let's take a look. Verse 15, this is Ephesians. I've called this Pentecost for you because though you have the Spirit, perhaps your eyes haven't been opened to what the Spirit's doing in you. How important it is for you and me to see this, to know it, to treasure it, to experience it. Okay, first, this Spirit is yours. So in verse 15, he starts this way. Let's read it together. For this reason, he starts off this new sentence. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Okay, stop there with me. So he starts right away saying, hey, I'm going to start here praying, but I'm going to do it because I've heard of your faith in Jesus, your trust and your love for others. So, hey, that, that's something that I think is important. And, and here we've, we've come to know Jesus. We trust him and we trust him and we love people. Of course, it's so great, great things, good things. That's not his prayer. I've heard that you trust Jesus. I've heard your love toward people who trust Jesus. Good things. So in verse 18, I don't, or 16, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So now I'm going to pray for you. I don't know about you, but I pray for people all the time. We've got a church prayer chain. I go through it and pray. I go through our directory and pray for people. I hope I pray for you. We pray for people a lot. Mostly it's intercessory prayer. I pray for people that this would help God help them in the hospital and help them get well and help this person in their financial struggles and help this person in a tough marriage. And, and, and Lord, that you would help and you would be active. Great stuff. We are intercessors. But here's Paul interceding. He's praying for you and me who trust Jesus. I wonder what he's going to pray for. I wonder wonder if he'll pray for me to have a great life. I, man, I could use a few extra bucks. I could use a, a, a... I want my kids' lives to turn out really well. In fact, I'd love to have a better relationship with my family. I think of all the things that Paul could ask, and I think, what is he going to pray for, for us who are Christians, that God would be at work? start to go, wow, I'm I'm interested to see. He's laser focused, you know, Paul is, on what will actually help you get through life. What is it? Here it is. That, that's the content of his prayer. This I pray for you, that, this is the content, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is what you need. This is the content of the prayer. Please, God, our Father, the Father who I just have established for you all, how blessed he is that he's put you in his family. God, I pray. Pray for what? Please give the spirit. It's capitalized in some of your translations and some of it is not. It's whether or not you think it's the Holy Spirit or just a general spirit. You can think it's a general spirit, but it's still the Holy Spirit. I think he's talking about the spirit and what the spirit 
does. And it's not spark flames over your heads. Not anymore. There's already a witness that's happened. The Spirit has come since Pentecost. And it's not necessarily to spark tongues in your mouth because He doesn't always work that way. Not universally. So it's interesting. That's not what Paul prays for. For you. For the Spirit. He wants you to have the Spirit of what? Of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That Him is God the Father. This is the Spirit. The Spirit brings what? Wisdom. What's wisdom? Skill and understanding, the good news. The Spirit brings revelation in the knowledge of God the Father who is perfectly revealed in Jesus. And, and I know, I say that to you, I know, because I've sat through these, and you start talking about this. You go, oh, okay, you're going to have the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of God. Great. You know what that sounds like to me? Boring. Boring. Why? Because it doesn't really mean anything. And, and what I really want in my Christian life is, is skill and wisdom to be a good parent. I want to know how to be a good husband. I want to know how to be a good dad. I want to know how to do well at work. I want to know how to rock right through life. I, I, this, this grand knowledge of God. Okay. No, wait. 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 When Paul says this, have the Spirit, I think it should be capitalized, the Spirit of Wisdom. He means, that's what wisdom is, right? Oh, come on, it's that. It's the skillful living. You want to live a, a, a skillful life. And the spirit, the spirit of the, the knowledge, and, and it's not just the spirit of knowledge, like let's read a book together and figure out good knowledge. No, 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 the spirit of knowledge of the revelation of God. The Spirit that's going to actually reveal to you things that people don't know just by looking and reading books about God. The Word of God getting into your heart about who God is. You need this. We need this. I want to deeply know the Father. I do. I, my hands are right. I want to do it. I, I think, oh, this is an amazing thing that Paul is praying for you and me. Like Pentecost in the day. Maybe you, you haven't realized the depth of the knowledge of the, you trust, he's talking to people who trust in Jesus. He's talking to people who are doing acts of love. He's talking to people who are living the Christian life. And he's saying, my prayer for you is that the Spirit might open your heart that you might experience this. Yeah. He knocks stuff over on the stage. What will our experience be? So uh, walk me through this experience of what it is that the Holy Spirit says is the knowledge of the revelation of the Father, is wisdom. What is it? What is it? I want to know. I want to know. So here, this experience is ours. So in verse 18, he says this, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. This is, again, a statement of how deep it is, right? It's not head knowledge. The deep opening of your heart, the Spirit bringing into you this deep assurance and knowing. The closest I can think of is the warmth of experience. Like, have you had it? Have you ever felt? There's been times and seasons in my life where I just, oh, I just feel I know that my spouse adores me. Those feelings may not last, but you've tasted it. 
the experience, do you understand the depth of the Lord for you? It's in this knowledge, Paul says. It's in the knowledge that the Holy Spirit brings and the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and the revelation. And what, So again, I'm into what is that exactly? Does he say? Yeah. Yes, he does. He says three things. You want to know them all. These are things that get into your heart today. Here they are. What is that you may know? So he's saying, I'm praying that the spirit of wisdom would do this. That you may know. This is the content. What you're going to know. What you get into your heart. This experience in the depth of the wonder of God. This is it. That you may know. One. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? Two. What is the... Oh, did I miss the first one? What's the hope of your calling? The hope to which He has called you is number one. Number two. What is the... The riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And number three, what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His great might? Those are three distinct things. So so back up with me. Take a look at them just briefly. Again, Paul's in one sentence, right? He's writing away. He's going. He's going, oh, that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes and, and, and your heart would know this and what? Well, this, this, boom, boom, boom. Wait a minute. What are those things? So let's take them one at a time and think about them. Because, again, as I read it, and I've read Ephesians many times, maybe you have too, you start reading these things and you have, okay, fine, I, I should have the Holy Spirit and he'll help me. You're missing it. You're missing it. You may know, first, what is the hope to which he has called you. The hope. The hope. Hope, elpis, right, is is the word. It means expectation, confidence, assurance. The assurance to which he's called you. I'll tell you what, I hope in many things. I hope in things that happen. I hope in things that don't. I I just, I, I hoped that it wouldn't rain this morning. It didn't. It's fantastic. I hope that I'll have a fantastic day tomorrow. I hope I won't get sick. I hope, I hope, I hope. We use hope in a variety of ways. But this is particular. It's the hope to which He has called you. And it's referring back to what happened just now, just upward in in chapter 1, where the God of the universe has done these things for you. He planned it out. He did it in Jesus. He's done it. You did nothing. It's not your calling. You're not coming to God. He's coming to you. What's your hope? It's the hope that's going to be revealed when Jesus Christ returns. Hope you do not see. This massive, overwhelming hope in every situation and He has called you. That Jesus came. He died and died for you. The blood of God shed for you and me. Not, not an if. Not a maybe. Not a if I hold it together. It's His calling, not mine. This experience is the wonder of being settled that God is for you. It's this wonder in your life that Christ has you and you're hidden Him no matter what. You're predestined to adoption. You don't see it yet. But it's so sure that this is the anchor of your soul. Where Jesus has gone before, right? That's Hebrews. Hope. 
So the Holy Spirit comes to get this into your heart, that we actually have this hope. It starts to flavor everything about you. It's the thing you got to have. It's a supernatural thing to say, I'm so confident, I'm so assured that his calling is true, that he has said it and it's true, that he said it's finished and it's finished, that he said he paid for me and he paid for me, that he said I'm in, my, I'm in his family and I am. Hope in his calling. That's the work of the Spirit in you and me. He's just getting started. Because then he says that you may know, number two, it's right there, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So we experience this by the Spirit. These are critical things. They may not seem like critical things. You're like, whatever. I know I have an inheritance when I get to heaven. I know that it's coming. I'm kept by the power of God. It's really cool, Dax. I get that, though. You talk about it a lot. No. No. That's not what he's talking about here. That's not the supernatural news that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Wisdom, is getting into your heart. Take it closely. Look what it actually says. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That isn't how fantastic (coughs) my inheritance is. Because I don't feel like I have riches. This isn't another statement to, well, try and remember that it's going to be really good in heaven. Oh, no. This is what are the riches of his glorious inheritance. His glorious inheritance? Yeah, in the saints. Who are the saints? Well, if you have time, I'm not going to run all the way back, but you go back and read the second verse of Ephesians. Well, it's okay, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, right? To the saints. Yeah, that's you. So so you realize what this statement is saying, that the Holy Spirit comes in, and part of the thing the Holy Spirit is doing is helping you understand and experience the truth of that you are God's inheritance. You are God's inheritance. You know God the Father, the one who made everything, the one who made you out of dust, and to dust you go back. And it says that, no, 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 what the Spirit's doing is coming in and, and giving this amazing truth that you are the inheritance of God, that what he's decided is you're the thing he values. I want you. This is totally supernatural. Why do I say that? Because I know you. (laughs) I know me. I look in the mirror. I can try and say, oh, how fantastic I am, or try and pick out good things about me. But when you're talking about God, and you're talking about all the principalities and powers of heaven, glorious beings that you would bow down and worship, And the Holy Spirit comes into your heart by this word of proclamation that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and died for you and comes and says, you realize that God has chosen you and you're his inheritance and he adores you forever. Experience it, will you? This is what the Bible's saying. It's all what God decided and he decided he loves you, you who trust in Jesus. You have it. This is incredible. This is you in the eyes of God. This is you as his inheritance. He considers you his rich and glorious inheritance, even though you're dirt that he made. I mean, he's our inheritance too, but that's that's not the work of the Spirit in you. The work of the Spirit in you is how he sees you. He set his love on you and he's purchased you and you're his inheritance and he adores you and treasures you. And so would you just for a minute right now receive that as the truth? 
You receive it in the midst of your broken life, in the midst of your known sin, in the midst of your hidden sin, in the midst of everything about you that's imperfect. You receive the word of the Spirit that says, you know what? He's for you. Not worthless. You're not on probation. You're His. And the Holy Spirit's like a flame, a wind, impressing on our heart this morning this experience, right? The assurance of His calling that He called, not you, this sure and confident the Holy Spirit does it. And then the second piece, the abundance of His inheritance, right? That's who you are. He sees you like this. And and then this one more in verse 19. And He's building. These are bigger things. Because I know, I hope, I, I know, I hope, but but then then to realize he he considers me his inheritance, and then this last thing, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? Just these words, okay, fine. No, they're not. They're deep things. This is an idea it takes the Spirit to give you this deep experience of this amazing wonder. This isn't just fine words. The Paul, Paul is praying the Spirit, open your eyes to see what is the power of God for us. Maybe English doesn't do it well for you, but in this verse, the verse that we're looking at right now, immeasurable greatness, that's mega power. It's the word in Greek for power, mega Big, great, the greatness of his power, which is, which is the word for dynamite, dunamis, the, 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 the power of dynamite exploding. According to the working, that's work power. You know, you know, work is considered power. Work is an erg. It's when you actually do, do moving things over time. That's power, right? Of his great might. That's strength power. That's the weightlifter picking up the big bar going, erg. Four words for power put together like this to do what? To explode on you. What is the immeasurable greatness of this power towards you? What is the power of the power of the power of the power of God for you? Wow. Huge, massive, amazing, and true. The hugest power that's ever been worked is towards you. It's like the biggest neutron bomb ever. It's the one I have read about. It's this 1961. I think it was Russia. The biggest actual bomb ever. It was over 50 mega whatever kilotons. And it, it flattened houses 50 miles away. 50 miles away. Wow. That kind of power. God has worked on you. That's amazing. How can it be? I mean, really, truly, is that what it is? So you think, think, okay, how can I actually trust that's true? I, those are fine words. I, I get that the Spirit is wanting to press on me that God has done that kind of... I mean, this, we're talking the God of the universe. We're talking the God who made the stars. And you're asking me to believe that this power of the power of the power of the power is towards us who just trust in Jesus? I'm not sure I... I Is it okay to say, do I believe it? My life doesn't feel like it has power of the power of the power of the power of God on me. I feel like my life is small. I struggle with normal things. I like to eat too much. 
I don't want to exercise. I argue with my kids. My, my car tire goes flat. Life is kind of normal. I don't have that. Okay, this is the work of the Spirit. That through the proclamation of the Word of God that gets to your heart and into your ear and down into you today, that you might know that this kind of power is what God has exercised for you. What does that mean, Dax? Here's what it means. There's a proof. There's a proof here in the text of what it means. This proof, it's yours. You might treasure it in your heart. You might see it. Verse 20, that this power, this power of the power of the power, that God the Father worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Do you see that far above every power, (coughs) rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Wow. Think about it with me for a minute, right? This proof, this proof of the power that I have so much trouble seeing. And then he goes, where does he go? Look at Jesus. He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You you realize God did raise Jesus from the dead. The tomb is empty. See, I get that, the resurrection. This is the power of God. The Father worked. The work is power. It goes with the dynamite power and the mega great power, raising Jesus from the dead. But you know what? That's just the first part. Do you see that it's more than one part there? Then he seated him at his right hand. Who elevated Jesus? What power? The power of the Father. This is on the order of raising from the dead. I think it is. Because that's where Paul goes when he he says this. I just read it. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet. And he gave him his head over all things. To whom? To the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him who feels all in all. Oh my goodness. I, I hope you heard as Paul finished that sentence. How many times he said all. Jesus above all power. He gave all things to Jesus. He put all things under his feet. And then he gave what? Him to the church. (coughs) Who's the church? You are. This is us. This is us. You know, it's not just a TV show. This is us right here. The power of God to raise Christ, to exalt Christ. You see it. Now you take that and that's what he does for us. Jesus is the head of us, the church. This is the power of God for you and for me. So you don't just look at Jesus in the empty tomb and you realize God raised him from the dead. That's fantastic. He's going to raise me from the dead too. But you look at Jesus exalted to the right hand of the Father and and you say, oh my goodness. That kind of power. That God exercises not just for me, but for you. And not just for you, but for me. We who don't deserve it even a little. And you start to taste it. Is this true? And the Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit teaches, the Holy Spirit comforts. And he gets in there and says, yes, it is. I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. This good news is these things that God in Christ has done for you. (laughs) When we had a service this morning outside, I had everybody look around. Because I'll tell you, it was a ragtag group. And I don't know about you, you can look around your home. You are a ragtag group. We are people who don't look like the power of God has been exercised on us. We're a people who don't look mighty and strong and well put together. We're a people who don't look like we love the best or sin the least or do those sorts of things. We're a people who need the Holy Spirit to put into our hearts the actual truth because it is not by sight that we are saved. It is by the action of God on us. It's what He decided to do. We are the church. And so the Spirit comes to you and me today. And if you're going to take something home, please take this, that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. The Holy Spirit is at work in your heart. Not that you might speak in foreign tongues. Maybe you will. The Holy Spirit can do anything. But for sure that this might get driven in, these things, to experience what it means, what it is that you and I are in the family of God. We have assurance, we have hope, because God has called you Himself. We're amazed that we, we are God's inheritance. You are God's inheritance. He said, this is what I want, and He means you. Precious child. And then the power. Not in us, not us exercising it, the power that God exercises on us as He raised Jesus from the dead, as He raises Jesus to the sky, so He will us. Let nothing take this from you. You're a child of the King, you who trust Jesus. You're forgiven of your sin. Your righteousness is given to you. This is supernatural that you might understand and take and treasure in your heart and begin to experience the reality that this is true of me and of you. Amazing. This is Pentecost. This is the giving of the Spirit. And this is what the Spirit does. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we could look at this amazing passage today. Thank you that you inspired Paul to write it. That these words might come to our ears. And that your spirit might drive them into our hearts this morning. And I pray, Lord, he will. I pray that you might have your Holy Spirit push into our hearts the truth, (laughs) our hope because of what you've done in our calling, you calling us. Lord, the absolute wonder that you consider us your inheritance and the depth of the power that you exercise for us. Oh, Lord, we're humbled and we're amazed that you've done it. 